during week 231 of Brad's Branded Thoughts. My thoughts on the offensive coordinator hire, the process that remains ongoing as we get ready for the Citrus Bowl against Tennessee here coming up in about a week, plus an exclusive interview with 2024 Iowa kicker Trip Woody. I'll tell you, LeVar Woods has done a great job identifying special teams talent. We'll have Trip on the show during week 231 of Brada's Branded Thoughts. This is from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Straight from the man cave, Kinnick under the kitchen. Authentic, original player artwork is being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. Locally made prints of stars wearing the black and gold from the past, present, and future. How about current Hawkeye superstars Cooper DeGene and Tori Taylor? Legends of the past like Jack Campbell, Spencer Lee, and Tim Dwight. Plus future phenoms like Aaron Graves. There are so many options available. They make great gifts, and your purchase benefits the Hawkeye athletes wearing the black and gold. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Again, that's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. Week 231 of Brad's Branded Thoughts. Thank you for being here. I know it's a very busy time of year. Football's winding down, kind of. You've got the transfer portal booming. You've got college basketball in full swing. And then around this time of December, you have lots of NBA basketball. You've got the NFL playoff push uh, very much underway in progress. So a very busy sports season. But of course, Iowa fans not only concerned with uh, the Hawkeyes and their upcoming game against Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl, but Iowa fans are concerned with who's leaving, who's coming via the portal. Also, who Kirk Ferentz is going to bring in as the next offensive coordinator. I've been talking about the transfer portal. In fact, published a segment on Brandon Diaz Fernandez entering the portal yesterday, published that segment and talked about the impact on the DB room. Of course, we're still awaiting word from several Iowa players, including one, Nick Jackson. If you missed the news, and I talked to Brad Heinrichs here earlier this afternoon, he did confirm it to me. Nick Jackson has had his waiver approved to potentially return in 2024. Now, what that means is because of what happened at Virginia with the uh, shooting on campus, their season was cut short before Nick got here. Uh, that ended up resulting in an extra year for seniors. He applied for a waiver, and apparently Virginia, the NCAA, I should say, has granted the waiver for he and a number of other uh, potential super seniors that were at Virginia that year. So congratulations to Nick. Now he's got an opportunity to make his own decision. And I get the feeling that Iowa may get both of those guys back. We'll see. I'm not going to make any prediction on that. But boy, how good would that defense be if you could start with the return of Jay Higgins and Nick Jackson? Well, wait, neither guy has announced their intentions as of yet. And as I've talked about, Cooper DeGene, he is uh, going to be making an announcement at some point, likely after the bowl game. But that should be fascinating to follow as well. As it relates to the offensive coordinator hire, there's been a lot of rumblings in the media. I even addressed uh, one of the rumors that was out there, what, two weeks ago, that former Nebraska head coach Scott Frost was uh, a uh, potential candidate, was a candidate, and there was mutual interest between Iowa and Scott Frost. I talked about it at the time. I don't know where that report started. I don't know who it was that was feeding information to certain people in the media at the time. I was able to confirm relatively quickly after that report came out there that that was just simply not true. There was no interest from Kirk Ferentz and Iowa's side. Now, maybe Scott Frost was interested in the job. Why wouldn't you be interested in that job? But uh, 
there was no interest from Iowa. Scott Frost was never in consideration by Kirk Ferentz uh, and the uh, Iowa side of things. So then there was the rumor about Joe Philbin. I never really addressed that on here. I'll probably still talk about it at some point, but that was largely debunked within a day or two before I even got around to talking about it. There was a report from somebody in the Iowa media who will remain nameless, at least for the sake of this show and trying to maintain some level of decorum and professionalism here. But there was a report that Joe Philbin was expected to be the next offensive coordinator. I can tell you that is not the case. Now, it's not as ludicrous as the Frost rumor. Joe Philbin is an obvious candidate for the Iowa job, but by no means has he been offered the job, and there has been no indication given to me that Kirk Ferentz is planning to offer Joe Philbin the job. Now, I can tell you, again, with certainty, Joe Philbin is a consideration, and you would expect that. He's a former prodigy of Kirk Ferentz. He coached O-line here uh, back in the early 2000s. He ended up being a head coach with the Miami Dolphins. He coached the Green Bay Packers to a Super Bowl victory um, back during his time as an OC there. So he's got a nice track record. I have no question about it. He would be a major upgrade at the offensive coordinator position from what Iowa has had as of late. I'm going to give you the three big names that have been tossed out there publicly that really there's no secrets as it relates to these three guys being potential candidates. We actually won't start with Philbin. We're going to start with a different guy, Andy Ludwig, the OC at Utah. Tom Kakert of HawkeyeReport.com confirmed on this show here a few weeks ago that Iowa had contacted Andy Ludwig. And he, of course, is a former quarterbacks coach as well. He's actually coaching quarterbacks down at Utah right now. Now, their team, their offense did not look very good the other night in the Las Vegas Bowl against Northwestern, but they're down a lot of players including some early draft enrollees, some opt-outs, and their star quarterback. They have had productive offenses at Utah. They were not great as a whole this year. If you look at team offense, total offense, but Andy Ludwig would be an upgrade. He understands the passing game. Ironically enough, just like one of our other candidates we'll talk about here in just a couple of uh, minutes, he was an assistant at Wisconsin as an OC under Gary Anderson back during, I think, 2013-2014 seasons. So Ludwig has some Big Ten experience, and he has Iowa roots. So Tom Caker has confirmed that Iowa had reached out to him. Kirk Ferentz had reached out. I have not heard anything to give me an indication that talks between Iowa and Ludwig are progressing forward. And so that's why he's in third place here on this list, this specific list, again, of names that have basically been confirmed. Kirk Ferentz was even asked about some of these. But I can tell you, Ludwig, with certainty, has been on the table. As it relates to the second candidate, Joe Philbin, we just talked about him. He is a guy who is an offensive line guy, not a quarterback's coach, not necessarily known to be a play caller. Now, it has been publicized that Joe Philbin filled in as an interim play caller uh, later on during his career, uh, but he was not the play caller at Green Bay. Mike McCarthy was when they went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. He then went on to Miami, coached the Dolphins. He was head coach down at Miami. They didn't do very well under his leadership. However, he was a head coach in the NFL, and that's notable. Uh, but he had a play caller, an offensive coordinator down at Miami during his stint there. But he's got a good track record of coaching different offenses. I have no question about it. He, he likely understands the passing game but he is an O-line guy by trade. So if you bring him in, what position is he coaching? All right, he's not just going to be coming in as the OC. They need a quarterback's coach. They need an O-line coach. You can only have so many assistants. And that's why when Brian Ferentz was not quarterback's coach, he had Ken O'Keefe coaching quarterbacks. Brian was, what, coaching tight ends. 
who do you let go at this point? There's got to be an opening. Now, maybe somebody leaves. Is it possible that Jay Neiman retires? We've talked about that in the past. That has been a rumor swirling for the last season or two. We've talked about the performances of George Barnett, Kelton Copeland. I can tell you Kirk Ferentz is a big fan of George Barnett. He's made that clear in press conferences and media availability. So if Joe Philbin was hired, is he coaching the O-line? Probably not exclusively because I think Kirk, I don't see Kirk getting rid of George Barnett. But perhaps there's some some juggling that you can do. Now, the other thing is if you bring in a guy like Joe Philbin, who understands the run game, understands offensive line play, could you bring in a guy like Randy Hedberg or somebody, even John Budmeyer? I know people don't love that name because we haven't seen a drastic improvement at the quarterback position since he became part of the staff. But if he could be elevated to a full-time role, officially the quarterback's coach, assuming someone else leaves and opens up an extra position on the staff, then perhaps you could have passing game coordinator John Budmeyer, Joe Philbin as the run game coordinator, ultimate play caller, offensive coordinator, decision maker, but he would also be working uh, with the offensive line and George Barnett. So that's possible. I don't think that's necessarily the ideal, and I also don't think that's likely. I doubt Joe Philbin gets the job. Um, but he would certainly be a candidate, deserves to be a candidate, given his track record, his roots back to Iowa, and his relationship with Kirk Ferentz. He has been an analyst here this past season with the Ohio State Buckeyes. And that brings us to our third candidate, and that is Paul Christ. He's been a name we've talked about for months, and deservedly so. He's a quarterback's guy, really successful offensive coordinator. Go back and look at some of those early 2000s Oregon State offenses under the leadership of Paul Chris. Those guys could throw the football. Now, they also ran the football effectively. We understand that at Pitt and especially at Wisconsin, Paul Christ was all about ground and pound. He starts up front. You run the football effectively. Now, they ran a lot more gap run plays than Iowa does now, although we ran, we saw a little bit more gap this past year, more counter uh, action in the run game. You're going to probably see more variety, I would guess, in the run game if Chris were to come to Iowa. But I do think he would be a massive help for the quarterback position. I think they need to hire somebody who understands quarterbacks, who can coach quarterbacks. I don't love the idea of bringing in a quarterback's coach. Certainly what was happening with Brian Ferentz as the quarterback's coach and then John Budmeyer basically being the unwritten, the unofficial quarterback's coach, that was not working. They need somebody who understands play calling, understands quarterback play, and can coach the offense. Paul Chris, from that point of view, I think would be a slam dunk hire. Now, offenses and football has changed a lot since Chris Heyday at Oregon State. He then went on to be an OC at Wisconsin. Really successful offenses, including, what was it, 2011 with Russell Wilson. He then went to Pitt, was the head coach at Pitt. They were okay. I think they went like 500 when he was there and then came back. Now, Pitt's not the easiest job to win at. I get that. Came back to Wisconsin, was pretty good. But the fans kind of got restless. They ended up having an opportunity to explore other options with Luke Fickle, Jim Leonard, etc. They end up settling on Fickle. And Chris has been an analyst down at Texas. And by the way, they're competing in the college football playoff here in about a week. So uh, Paul Christ has an ex exceptional resume. Kirk Ferentz is friends with Paul Christ, has a lot of respect for Paul Christ. It is a safe hire. No, it's not the young gun that a lot of people want. Uh, but I mean frankly, a, a guy who understands the offense like Paul Christ, I think would be a breath of fresh air compared to what we have seen, what we've experienced over recent time. So is it fair to label Paul Christ as the favorite at this point? 
That's possible. Now, I have talked about on the show, there have been other people. I can tell you with with certainty, there have been other people that have reached out to Kirk Ferentz. I know Kirk Ferentz said recently during a press conference that uh, he had called a couple of people or, what, two or three people, whatever he said. But that's not really accounting for people that have reached out to him. Iowa is a more attractive job than people are giving it credit for. So I can tell you there have been people that have reached out to Iowa, and there have been guys that you wouldn't think would reach out to Iowa that have reached out to Iowa and guys whose names have not been made public to this point. Very attractive candidates for this job other than the three we just ran through. Just keep that in mind. And their names are not Scott Frost, Drew Tate, Chuck Long. Okay? Very attractive names. And would they be kind of a diversion from what we're used to seeing with the Iowa offense and philosophy? Yeah, sure. Especially after hearing Kirk Ferentz kind of double down on that philosophy when uh, asked about kind of how much leeway, how much rope an OC would get. Kirk Ferentz here, what, a week ago, kind of doubled down on his philosophy of complimentary football, and an OC needs to be evaluated based on wins. You know, you all know I don't agree with that. Kirk Ferentz is a head coach. I get it, but that's just my criticism and my two cents. So would it be a surprise if he went with a young gun, someone who has reached out to him and who is a very attractive name and a well-known name? Yeah, it'd be a bit of a surprise. But don't dismiss it as a possibility. Don't just assume that it's going to be one of the three guys we talked about or somebody safe. Who knows? We'll see. And here's the other thing. Once you hit January, bowl season kind of starts to wrap itself up. You're going to have other candidates potentially available. And as we've talked about, we had, I I think it was during our segment with Brad Heinrichs on a recent live show, he talked about, hey, you know, an OC comes in, perhaps he wants to bring part of his staff or a quarterback or a skill position player. That's always possible as well. We could see a lot of juggling here over the next couple of weeks. Don't just assume that Kirk is going to go with the safe hire. The good news is he's got one, even two really safe hires. I think that uh, one is probably better than the other, but even if he goes safe, they should be major upgrades for this offense. And that is something to celebrate. Coming up, folks, in an exclusive interview with 2024 kicker Trip Woody, who recently committed to the program as a preferred walk-on. He'll have an opportunity to earn his scholarship, very similar to his predecessors, including Drew Stevens. He actually is coached by Drew Stevens' former private coach. We'll have a conversation with Trip right after our sponsor plug, and that is a plug for Iowa Floor Covering. Look at this beautiful studio down in Bondurant. If you need help with flooring options, perhaps it's carpet or tile, or maybe you're working on a tile shower project, give Iowa Floor Covering a call. Give them a call, 515-379-7000. You can also visit their website, iowafloorcovering.com. Tyler, Ryan, and the guys will help you with whatever project you have. Perhaps it's a DIY project. They have great options at your disposal They'll help you out regardless of where you live. Give them a call, 515-379-7000, iowafloorcovering.com. It's Iowa Floor Covering down in Bondurant. Pleased to be joined now by Iowa 2024 commit, Trip Woody out of the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And Trip, welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here. Congratulations on your recent uh, decision, your announcement to join the Black and Gold. Before we get into kind of your background and uh, interests, your your kind of style as a kicker. I'm anxious to kind of get your take on what you bring that's maybe unique uh, at that position, which I know is a very unique position. Talk about why Iowa. Why was the decision made to uh, to pull the trigger uh, on an opportunity to walk on at Iowa? 
Um, well, I mean, I really wanted to work in the sports and recreation program, which is what I was really good at. Um, I really wanted a fan base and just a culture that's really family oriented. And Iowa is the definition of that. LeVar Woods, um, he's probably one of the greatest people I've ever met. I've only met him a handful of times. He cares a whole lot more about who I am off the field just as more as I do on. So he's just, just been a blessing and really good in this whole process. Same with Brock Sherman. I'm really excited to play with him. Um, Keith Duncan and Drew Stevens and even Marshall now, it's a good specialist room. They're they're known for being special teams you, which is also something that you can't ignore. And um, I'm just excited to be able to play for this team. And, yeah, I'm excited to get started. Talk a little bit about your connections with Keith Duncan and – um, Drew Stevens, I know, you know, you're kind of from the same area, but uh, your your private coach is also um, Dan Orner, who's also coached those two guys. Um, so yeah, so Keith, do, so Keith Duncan grew up in it's called Weddington. So I live; it's considered Waxhaw, but we're maybe three four minutes from each other. Um, and um, I knew of Keith from Dan um, when I first went up to Iowa the first time. He um, mentioned Keith. And after that visit is when I first got um, in touch with him and he's made it really easy and uh, we have a lot in common. So that's really cool. And then um, Drew Stevens um, spec ops through Dan owner is how I met him uh, my going into my junior year. And then when I go up and I visit with him, we talk for a while because uh, we have a lot to like just talk about and just like resemble with. So yeah, I'm excited to be able to play with him too. So that's awesome. What is, I mean, you described LeVar Woods a little bit. Well, what is LeVar Woods like on a personal level? Because we get him and we talk to him, you know, on a coaching level. But, I mean, what's he like person to person? I mean, he's just, I mean, he's really to the point. I mean, he's a really kind dude, but he, but he's just really on what he wants. I mean, he wants, he wants people who are good in the classroom. He wants people who just want to be good in everything that they do in life, whether it's social, football. He, he just wants you to not be distracted with all that stuff. Just know what you want and that he'll help you with whatever you need. So, And you mentioned the history. I mean, Iowa has a rich history, not just with special teams, but specifically place kickers. I mean, you want to go all the way back to like Nate Kading. But I mean, in recent years, the history and the legacy that really LeVar Woods in this unit is building around guys like Keith Duncan and guys like Drew Stevens, Miguel Racinos, Caleb Shudak. Um did you get a chance growing up? I mean, obviously you've been invested in, in soccer and in football for a long time, but how many of those guys have you watched? And did you take note of Iowa place kicking prior to receiving interest? Um, To be honest, when I started with Dan is when I started like really paying attention to like more like the special teams when it came to college football. Um, To, to be honest, like going into high school, I didn't really watch it that much because I, I, I mean, I really didn't really do anything with football at all. And then uh, when I tried it out, I really started to love for it. And that's when I started to watch it. And um, it's just – and so then I started seeing all the strong programs when it came to special teams. And I was considered special teams you for a reason. I mean, they, they've earned that right. So – Is there a little bit of pressure? Do you feel that yet? I mean, you've only been committed here for a couple of weeks. But is there a little <laughs> bit of pressure, trip? Like, hey, you're going to a place where you got some elite guys that have been playing here for years. Um. I wouldn't necessarily say pressure. I mean, in, in my view, like pressure is more of like a privilege. So like I'm going into a situation where, where I need to perform and um, it's competitive every day. I mean, they have Marshall, they have Drew. That's a very strong room. Tory Taylor is about to graduate. He just won the LaGroza. I mean, not the LaGroza, sorry, the Ray guy. And um, that's not easy to do. So, I mean, 
uh, I just am going to go in and I just know it's going to take work yeah. if I want to play. So, and I want that and I'm, I'm just ready to get started. Talk a little bit about your background before we talk about you as a player. Talk about your background. Um, have you been in Charlotte your whole life and maybe a little bit about your, your love for soccer? Yeah. So um, I did not live in Charlotte my whole time. Um, I was born in Georgia. I've moved a little bit from my dad's work, including India, which is wild. People don't, <laughs> yeah, that wow. shocks people. Um, and yeah, so that's where I started uh, playing soccer was really in India um, through my school. And then when I came back here, I played for Charlotte Soccer Academy uh, for a, a while, like six, seven years. And then when I started, when I transferred to Charlotte Christian, it was for soccer. And there was some stuff there that I just didn't really like. So I wanted to just to look into some other sports and football came because I played soccer. So I was like, yeah, I'll try it out. And I really liked it. And that's that's how it went. Tell me the difference between kicking a soccer ball. I mean, I haven't talk, taught this before, but what's the difference between kicking a soccer ball for a goal and kicking a field goal in football? How is it different as far as your follow through and just everything? All right. So for starters, obviously you have to lean back um, because you want the ball to go high. Right. And then the big thing is really like the sweet spot. So um, it's the size of a dime on football. Uh, that's like in like the perfect part for perfect rotation to like beating the wind in some situations. But in soccer, the whole ball is a spot. That's why you hear like the popping sound is what people call it. And then for football, you have to be really precise in your steps, um, your contact point. You have to have your metatarsal rolled over. I mean, there's just a lot of things you got to lock in and that I had to really uh, fix as I got older through Dan. Because uh, when I first started, uh, he called me just a raw athlete. I just ran at it and kicked it as hard as I could. So uh, I do something that's called thuds. So it means I just do contact drills every day. I do 50 of them. It takes 14 minutes and 12 seconds normally. <laughs> I normally start to time it because I don't want to rush it. I don't want to do anything. That's what Dan said it really should be. And that's how I got my contact to be a point. It's just really the contact and then just holding back. That's really it. And as far as your experience kicking field goals, you talked about, you know, that you're kind of a, I don't want to say late bloomer, but late to the party as it relates to the sport. Compare yourself, if you can, with other prospects in your class. Are you less experienced than most kids? Like are most kids starting to kick in middle school? What's your experience with other prospects? I mean, it's really emerged. It's either you started kicking young or you played soccer and you started early high school. It's really a mix. I know bunch from each side. So what's your range like trip? I mean, um, in a game, um, the longest I've ever was ever given a try was a 50. Uh, so I was, I was blessed to make that, but off the sticks, I mean, I've made 64. So, I mean, it really just depends on aspects and everything. So, I mean, I'd, I'd really count on myself really going out um, 55 and in normally. And if I'm having a good day, going back into 60. I've been told, and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong on this, I've been told that if you're making from 60 or 65 in practice, you should be able to make from 60 or 65 in a the game. There's this perception from the average fan, I think, that you know once you have a, a line there, that it makes it harder because you have to kick higher. Is that true? Or do you just kick the same way based on what I've been told by people who understand the craft better than I do, you kick the same way you would in practice as you would in a game. Is that true? I mean, yeah. Um, so in practice is when you really have to get your form and stuff down and um, really in games, you just really have to rely on your training. 
So, I mean, there's a lot more aspects when it comes to um, games. I mean, there's fans and stuff, which, I mean, it really shouldn't bug you. But, I mean, you have the line in practice. So, if you can do it in practice, you can do it in a game. It's just there's a lot of aspects within a game. I mean, if you do it in practice, you should have the mentality that you can do it in a game as well. So, I think it's all just mentally. And I know you, uh, having grown up or or at least been in the area for – sometime kicking field goals in the area for some time you're used to warmer weather although you did tell me before we started this interview it's like 28 degrees yesterday it's cold yeah, it is in Iowa. what's the temperature like today it's not it's not that bad it's just the wind that gets it i think it's mid 40s maybe so how know. much have you kicked in cold weather um well here when it gets to playoff time it especially when we go up to like the mountains, like Raven Gap, Christ School, it gets cold because they're in like the Georgia, uh, the Appalachian Mountains. It gets cold. So, I mean, um, I've kicked in it before. I mean, I mean, obviously I got to get used to it, <laughs> but um, it's not really a problem. That was, a, a you know, Iowa, we talk about place kicking, but you figure in the fact that Iowa's had the Ray Guy Award winner in Torrey Taylor here of late. And I could argue he's been the best punter in the country for four years now. Yeah, uh, won that award this year. But, you know, I, I'm thinking back to the Nebraska game here a couple of weeks ago. And Drew has a, a rough day. Marshall comes in, finishes the job. Uh, Torrey didn't have the best of days. It is different kicking in colder weather. Can you talk about kicking in elements? And how important is it for you to stay mentally focused? The ball's harder. There's wind swirling. It's hard to predict. How do you deal with all that? I mean, for starters, you just have to stay warm, right? Um it's the moments like when like you stand still, um, you just have to stay warm. And then when you go, you just have to swing the same way. Um, like I said, like half of it's mentally, you have to beat that battle. You just have to swing the same way. And if you just have to rely on what you've done in training and that should work out. Can you talk a little bit about your, uh, your interests off the uh, football field? I mean, do you still play soccer? Are there other sports you're involved with? Uh, no, I do not play soccer anymore. No. Um, it's just been football for two years. Um, and really, um, for me lately, it's just been um, school and football. That's about it. School and football. Yes, sir. <laughs> so uh, what's that like? I mean, I, I've never been down that road where you're fully invested in a sport and then you just convert to a different sport and kind of leave the other in the dust. Do you miss soccer? To be honest, not really. I mean, I was kind of burned out. I mean, I was doing it four days a week for all but like a month and a half and every year, and I did that for years. So, And then there's some – things that happened that I just I just didn't love it anymore so not really and what's your love for the game of football grown to be is it something that you can see yourself doing professionally I mean well I hope so I mean I mean my first goal is to get in to play at the collegiate level which um which I'm thankful for uh but it's a it's a it's a much different ball game than high school and I understand that it's a lot more work to do so I mean I just want to enjoy college I want to go I'm just going to work and then if I, if I do well there, and then we'll see. But I just want to do well in college. I have to ask you again about India. You having learned how to play soccer and playing soccer over there, what's the climate like over there? And how long were you in India? I was in India for a year and a half. Um, yeah, soccer's crazy there. Their kids are actually really, really good. It's just their lifestyle. They're not used to playing sports unless it's like cricket. They're, they're most on like family businesses and stuff. So, I mean, a lot of those kids just play for fun. And I mean – it really, it really humbled me as a kid, um, seeing like the environment of what some of these people have to live through. And that's something that stuck with me, 
even to now. I mean, the um, there's a lot of poverty there. It's a rough sight when you first get there, but I mean, people there are amazing. Um, some of the friends I've met from that school, I still am friends with to this day from all from all over the world. So I mean, that was a great trip, and even just a great place to live. So that was awesome. What do you know about Kirk Ferentz? I know LeVar, I mean, you've got a relationship with LeVar, but Kirk is considered to be the dean of college football. He's the longest tenured coach in FBS football. What's it going to be like playing for him? I mean, yeah, uh, when I went up in April, um, we talked with him. Um, the cool thing about him is he didn't really talk about football. He talked about life and everything, which I think is really cool. Um, he just seems like a really family-oriented guy. It just seems like a constant theme, like not even through the football team, but through the like just through the whole unit the whole university and that's just awesome to me um i've heard a lot from kirk ferentz from keith and everyone um and everyone has the same message and then when i went for my visit um some of the ex-players and everyone talking about him it's all the same thing he cares about everyone off the field as well um he'll help you i mean so i'm just excited Talk about your other opportunities. I know if someone Googles Trip Woody and they look at a you know, rivals or a two four seven, they'll see you had interest from Michigan State, North Carolina State, Rutgers, Duke. Um, how did you guide yourself through that process? And how is that different for a special teams guy who's, you know, you're in a situation where you know, hey, I'm gonna be walking on somewhere if I'm if I want to play power five football right away. How do you balance the the uh, recruiting process as a kicker? I mean, yeah, for me, it was a little different. I came in it really late. I mean, recruiting really did not start for me until after my junior season. So um, though, so some of the local schools like NC State, Duke, they, I mean, obviously they had me come up um, because they obviously want to keep some of those kids in state. So I can see some of those. And then talking to Dan and everyone, um, he, of course, like gives references of where I should look. And um, in Iowa and so Iowa came and visited me at school. So Coach Woods came and visited me at school. And that's where I met some of these schools as well. Um, and then from there, um, I just go up and I visit. And if I like the feel, um, and for me, it's really – I mean, I like a lot of the football programs, but for me it's a feel about the school as well. Because, I mean, you're also you're a student athlete, right? You're going to school there too. So, I mean, that really narrowed it down. And for me, it was really just uh, – I narrowed it down to really just um, Iowa, Rutgers, and Syracuse. Those are my final three. And um, this is a pretty easy pick for me. Uh, just well, just just all around. I, I really want to be at Iowa to learn, to play football. That's just where I want to be. So that was just it was easy. Were there opportunities for you to go on scholarship at smaller schools? Um, to be honest, I don't I don't know. Um, the University of Richmond, we were talking, but I don't I don't know what the offer was looking like. Um, I really wanted to graduate early. Um, and they they were going to have me come in the summer. So I don't know how that was going to be. So I would say probably not. I, I, I really don't know. Do you kind of take a chip on your shoulder, even though this is the traditional route for a place kicker at Iowa and a lot of these P5 programs? Do you kind of take a chip on your shoulder at all, knowing that, hey, I'm walking on here, but I'm as important to this football team as, you know, so-and-so that's on scholarship. Does that motivate you at all? I mean, yeah, you have to work for it. So, I mean – that really is not a problem for me. I work for everything I get in my life. So if I get to go in, I'm just going to work for it. But to, I'm just going to go and I'm just going to compete. And you just can't really worry about the whole scholarship thing. You just have to go in and help your teammates, whether whether you're a preferred walk-on or not. So that's it. 
I know there are some people that I saw on social media when you announced your commitment that already were getting a kick out of your name in a good way, saying <laughs> kids got the perfect name for a kicker. Now, not because you're going to trip on your way to the kick, but what's your name been like? I mean, what's it been like carrying such a just a cool sounding name like Trip Woody your whole life? I mean, I mean, <laughs> to to be honest, most people at my school call me Kevin, just like j- just a joke with me. Um, but I mean, I've never really thought about it that way. <laughs> I really haven't. Well, you'll, uh, you, I'm sure you'll develop some nicknames, um, yeah. when you get to Iowa. And my final question for you is I've noticed over the years and even Drew Stevens does it. Every kicker seems to have a certain routine that he or she, well, I say he or she, cause there are some female kickers now, uh, that they go through prior to kicking, whether it's time in high school, college, do you have a, a pre-kick routine and, um, how does that help you deal with pressure if if you have one? I mean, for me, really, my pre kick routine is really just in warm ups. Um, it's really it's all without the ball. It's all just form oriented. Um, just focusing on my swing, my extension, um, keeping my upper body quiet. Uh, that's something I do every time. Uh, obviously, your warm up is different. Uh, like if you're stretching first after, it really just depends. But that's something I always implicate in my warm ups. And, and really, that's just it. I just really focus on my form because if you can do it off the ball, you just have to do it with it and you'll be fine. I know Drew Stevens has a bit of a reputation for dancing <laughs> between quarters. He also has been seen several times spinning the ball in his finger. I don't know if you've seen him do that, but you don't do any of that extracurricular stuff? I mean, I mean, really, um, I, I, I'm just a talker. <laughs> so I'll okay. just like talk with people that's just really me even if it's without football like like before i go in that's just that's just how i go like i'll talk about something random that's just that's just me do you get nervous before a big kick no i mean you just have to for me it's just if cuz every kick you're going to do in a game you've done in practice before and so i just go and be like you've made this before so just trust your swing and it'll be fine trip woody uh Five-star kicker out of North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. He'll be here in a class of 2024. And my understanding, Trip, is that you are enrolling early. Talk about your plans coming up to Iowa just around the corner. I mean, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I think the classes start the 15th. I'm, in, I'm moving in the 13th or 14th. Yeah, I don't know. I still have to talk with my family. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm just really excited to get in the white room. I'm really excited to just start competing early and – just get with the, just get around my teammates and stuff. So that should be a lot of fun. Iowa has a a new a future special team star in Trip Woody out uh, again Charlotte, North Carolina, part of Iowa's uh, 2024 class. And uh, Trip, appreciate you jumping on here for, for a few minutes, talking about your future and uh, joining the Black and Gold fray. And uh, best wishes on your move. We hope it goes smoothly, and we'll talk to you probably next year at Media Day. Thank you so much. Really appreciate Trip Woody, and it's very similar to the conversations we always have about Phil Parker and trusting his ability to evaluate DBs. You got to have confidence with what LeVar Woods does as it relates to evaluating these kickers, and it's a little bit more of an art. Maybe is that even fair to say? A little bit even more of an art than what Phil's doing? Maybe that's kind of a, a juvenile, amateurish way of looking at this. But you think about these guys; they're kind of evaluated. You know, Trip Woody doesn't even have, I think, a star rating on uh, you know 247 rivals but he's considered a five star in the specialist four or five star in the specialist realm and you know lavar's going off to australia and getting punters 
and finding these kids and figuring out, okay, which ones do we think have opportunities to earn scholarships at Iowa? And at times they are offering scholarships to people like Tori Taylor or uh, Reese Dakin down in Australia. So that is an art. And LeVar Woods is not a former kicker or punter, but he's developed the art of understanding special teams play and recruiting the right specialists. Boy, Iowa's had a great stretch of place kickers from Miguel Racinos to Caleb Shudak to Keith Duncan to Drew Stevens. And now it looks to be uh, one with Trip Woody out of North Carolina. So congratulations to Trip. They don't officially sign. When you're a walk-on, you don't officially sign, but he'll be enrolled and part of the team here this coming spring, providing good competition for Iowa. Appreciate you taking the time to watch the show, folks. We've got pregame coverage. We've got Coach John Patterson on for a special live show Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening, myself and Coach Don Patterson live. Join me right here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. We'll talk to you then.